Hello, and welcome to the Nostalgia Podcast. A podcast where we discuss the retelling or continuation of pop culture favorites as seen through a queer and feminist lens. My name is Eric Lefebvre. And my name is Jessica Tercero. And this week, we watched... Little, Little Women. women. Bah, 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 wow, bah, bah, bah. we were so synced on that. I know. <laughs> it's going to be like the perfect pause. Um, yeah, we watched Little Women. So I know that this is kind of a departure from a lot of these big, silly, action-packed or scary IPs. Have we done like a more coming-of-age drama like this before? I don't think that we have. Yeah. Um, I don't think that we have, and especially not one that centers women so clearly and yeah. uh, definitively. Mm-hmm. Like this movie, like, okay, the reason that I wanted to do this this week was because we've had like a lot of uh, testosterone and uh, <laughs> toxic masculinity films that we've been talking about recently. So I was like, just give me something with like some estrogen. Come on. <laughs> but man, this is... Both of these movies hit me so fucking hard. Yeah. Um, I'm dealing with a lot with my family right now, and I don't have... Um, I recently, um, last year, lost my grandmother, who is the only person that I I just love unconditionally in my family. And, the, like, I, I cut everybody off really, really hard. Um, so seeing so many women, like, on screen, seeing them be so close seeing these different portraits of femininity and what that looks like and how everybody navigates the complexities of being a woman in the world like in their own ways like oh i'm so happy and and also just seeing women just love each other and just be like there for each other and also have their emotions and get angry and and then you know like also like just fucking be there unconditionally like man i fucking loved these movies and i remember watching the 1994 one when i was a kid and i was like i fucking love this and i hadn't watched it in a long time so it was a treat to go back to that and the second one was also a treat and i'm so happy yeah i i have no history with little women um not the book not the any 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 movie because i know that there's also like two other versions of this before there's a lot there's a lot of little women tv versions and then there's also like uh, a couple of other films and stuff Mm -hmm. um and it's these are these really good story biggest ones like i feel like yeah we we got the big blockbuster one so like in this episode we're doing the 1994 film with winona Ryder, and we're doing the greta gerwig uh retelling in 2019 correct both of them 2019 both have such a fucking stacked oh my god the cast oh my god on both oh my god like i i did not realize that the 1994 version had susan sarandon winona Ryder, kirsten dunst um the felicity girl claire danes uh, claire Claire danes Uh, christian bale christian bale yeah. yeah i was just like holy shit and then like in this next one uh there's Florence Pugh, Saoirse Ronan, Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. <laughs> uh um Laura Dern. Laura Dern. Oh my god, Laura Dern. Yes. Oh my god. Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet. Like it's oh cra- it's, my god. It, it is crazy. And I am a big fan of Greta Gerwig. Like I think Ladybird was fucking fantastic. Like I just think she's really good at capturing stories like this and I cannot wait to talk about that. So I again, I have no history with any of this. So this is my first introduction to anything that is little women. 
I was a little bit like I was like oh I don't know how it's gonna hold up because like I mean I did not remember anything about this story like I had not revisited it since I was a kid and then just diving in I was like fuck yeah yeah fuck yeah I'm like it was like wrapping a warm blanket around me and just like I love just seeing women be women and it's it's also just like I love a good coming of age story and like watching just the nuances of like relationships as they change as you grow older dealing with death of a loved one at such a young age and or like I mean because they were older than sure but like even then someone so close like all of these really complex and nuanced hardships I feel like are captured so eloquently in both of these and both yeah they're yeah. they're different takes uh, on the book but I think each one of them had such an interesting take too oh yeah yeah um, I, and I, I have a lot oh god I'm excited to talk about the new one because I do there's a lot about that like new take fresh look a retelling like a, a, a reimagined perspective on an old story like ooh, it's it's really good so I'm I'm fucking pumped should we just get into it? Let's, let's do it. Let's, let's do it. During the American Civil War, the March family is doing everything they can to keep their spirits high and their stomachs full despite their financial woes. The four daughters, Joe, Meg, Beth, and Amy, pass the time doing chores, writing, playing music, performing their self-written plays, and all is well. Then one day the eldest girls, Meg and Joe, go off to a dance where Joe meets Theodore Lawrence, who quickly inserts himself as a member of the March family. Suddenly, the Marches get word that their father was wounded in the war, and their mother, Marmy, goes off to take care of him, leaving the girls to fend for themselves and a German family they've been helping through hard times. The little women are doing great around the house when all of a sudden Beth gets scarlet fever, prompting the quick return of Marmy, who manages to save Beth's life. However, Beth was unable to make a full recovery and became disabled as a result. After that, things start to change. Father returns alive and well. Beth is gifted a piano from the Lawrence family. Meg marries Laurie's old tutor. Amy goes to Paris to study painting with old Auntie March. And Joe moves to New York to become a writer after turning down Laurie's marriage proposal. Everyone begins to process their life's choices in their own ways. Meg has children but struggles financially. Beth plays piano to escape the house she can never leave. Amy lives the life of luxury abroad and contemplates marriage to a wealthy man. And Joe starts to get published in New York while striking up a romance with Frederick Brahir, who is far too old for her. After Frederick criticizes her work for lacking tangibility, Joe gets word from home claiming Beth is on her deathbed. Joe immediately heads back home to be with her in her final days. Meanwhile, Amy and Lori get married. It's a weird and sad time for Joe, but also the catalyst she needs to stop hiding from her feelings and write something real, the story of her and her sisters as the little women. She sends it to Frederick, who gets her a publishing deal. They are in love and open a school in Auntie March's old home. Wee! That ending happens real fast. <laughs> that, they get, they get really. I. It's, it's one of my big things for like the next one where I was like that. That was like strangely fat. Like, 
Anyways, yeah, yes, it happened very quick. Where in, suddenly in both like, of these, it happens very, very quick. Yeah. Um, so if it feels off, it's because it it does feel a little bit off. So yeah. that was intentional. Um. <laughs> I was digging into the aesthetic of the films. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, jot that down. Um, the aesthetic and like you know the feels the big like okay these fucking movies um and i'm sure Very, the book i've never actually read the book yeah. they are saying so fucking much and they are so complex and there is so much nuance in almost every facet of both films i'm so excited where the fuck do you want to start yeah i will start just with my like i think it's not really a negative it's more of a of a taste thing i think at least with this first one because of the style of the storytelling, it did feel like at times arduously slow. Just in, just for me, just it, it felt like because I there were so many beautiful moments of beats with like them playing and, and rabble rousing together. And like the moment she falls in the lake and you're like, what the fuck? Right after burning the papers, you're like, oh, my God, this is crazy. There's a lot of those moments, but I feel like there's I don't know. It felt a little snoozy. But maybe it's just because of the time period where I was just like, oh, I don't know. That's just me. Apart from that, what a beautiful story. I do think that this story of Joe coming into this, into her own, just in terms of like being a writer and being a caretaker and being a friend. And also like the conversation around autonomy that she has. Like Mm -hmm. she understands the nuance and the intention behind marriage as sort of a monetary exchange and she's like i have to do for myself what i need to do first Mm -hmm. and then i can think about that later and i have aspirations that are more than marriage and i know that that's not the norm and all of that comes from their mom Mm -hmm. like the way that she talks i mean what is the first line that she brings in here when what is it feminine weakness and fainting spells are the direct result of confining young girls to the house with their needlework and their restrictive restrictive corsets and when she's the like, like they're just as capable as, yeah. as boys like what yeah. the fuck and the guy's like, like wow your girls are like so energetic and she's like yeah because we keep women in the house and keep them small and if you let them out and be themselves they would be just as energetic as boys fuck off and you're like and that's one of the things that I really loved about this movie in particular that the next one doesn't really have, like where we see um, Marmy, which I wonder if that's like if she got that name because she's the March Mommy, right? I don't know. Oh, maybe. Uh, or yeah. if that's her actual name, we don't know. But I really liked what a feminist icon she was and how yeah. fucking there she was for her children at every single point. And anybody that was around them or in proximity that dared to criticize any of them, she instantly shut them down like with that comment or when amy gets burned by her uh her teacher right he like hits her and i i I think it was a burn um but she comes home crying and she's like fuck this and she immediately starts writing a letter and she's like joe can you teach your sister and she's like yeah cool and she's like cool she's fucking out and like the the courage that she shows like to stand up for yourself and to be yourself unapologetically and she never once tells them like girls mind your manners or anything she just lets them be and lets them exist and i think that's why through her strength and her like her leadership she's you know I mean, sometimes she'll she calls out Amy for being a little bit vain or something. But like 
almost every time that she she talks to them, she's doing it so intentionally and it's yeah. so purposeful that you see that and you see her daughters really latch on to that. So when they, you know, I know that you said like sometimes it felt a little bit long in certain moments or like it, it hung on certain parts too much. And personally, I didn't think so just because no. I loved seeing the feminine closest, like all all five of them huddled around um, their dad's uh, telegram, you know. Um, oh, see, these... those scenes, I those were just like, I love. I don't know exactly. I wish I like had written like, oh, this part and this part. There were just some moments outside of those like important moments of like uh, relationship building and like love where you just see just unnuanced outside of the narrative. Like we're just seeing these young women love each other and be there for each other right yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah well and i mean even when they're like up in the attic and they're all performing masculinity they're all yes. like being men like because that's how they feel like um you know they can be taken seriously and it is it is this really cute moment where they make their own newspaper and they're you know uh they're um each person has a story and you see i feel like those moments that hung there probably a little bit longer than most films would like really what that was doing was cementing their character and cementing yeah. their um their relationships to each other because that dynamic is so different like between Beth and Joe and yeah. I mean just I I feel like this movie didn't do Beth justice and we can talk about that a little bit later but um yeah. but yeah just like each pair like I mean Amy and Joe too like uh this is Joe's story and everybody yes. else is kind of there in proximity but even within that we still get to see these different examples of femininity and I mean so often we're kind of presented with like there's one way to be a woman or there are two ways to be a woman right it's either you get married or you don't or it's this or it's that and here we see you can get married for money and that's fine I mean especially in those days you have to like actually take care of yourself we see Meg get married to a poor man and she struggles uh, we see that more so in the next film but we see Joe being a spinster you know and it's fucking hard because nobody wants to take her seriously and Frederick has to open every single door for her to conversation or to these publishers and you know because otherwise she's not allowed to be in that space like even to talk amongst her peers so it's a really interesting conversation about what femininity looks like and yeah. how that can take so many different forms and how like female companionship can also look very different right i mean some women when presented with injustice like fucking are ready to tear everything down and some like marmy she just wrote the letter and was like fuck you i'm taking you out like we we got this you know yeah. so showing that there are there's so many different ways to respond to the world and to exist in the world as a woman i was just fucking here for it i drank up all of this i mean at base level just apart from the cinematic aspects of telling the story the story itself is fantastic it's lovely it is so joyous and so wonderful like i mean i want to go back to what you were talking about the scenes where they're performing masculinity in the attic how just that by itself as a scene as a part of the story is such an interesting conversation dismantling these power structures where like this is a movie about women. This is a movie largely devoid of men and masculinity and this commentary on the struggles of being a woman in patriarchal society. And as a young woman, understanding young woman. that, that yes. even though they're so far away from society and anything, they understand that this is the social structure and this is how this works. And they're figuring out their place and how to dismantle that. But while simultaneously making it look silly, like... 
oh, look at performing manliness and look at my mustache and <laughs> oh, look at this pipe and blah, 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 blah. We are men and do men. Like, it's so funny because it is exactly correct. <laughs> like, all of that is a performance. Gender is not real. Like, this system that actively puts these people down is fake. Mm-hmm. And it's only upheld by those who are this fake thing, this bullshit masculine character. Like, and I do think that that is so lovely and fun because it is like, it's child's play. It's shitty and it's boring and it's basic. And I love that this scene clearly demonstrates and dictates that. Even when um, Christian Bale, Laurie, Laurie, he's, yeah, when he's God, like hiding. I cannot and, like, wait to talk about him. I know. We Ugh. can't like badness and such a good example of like also, the only men- man in the story all yeah. men in this are bad. Frederick yeah. is bad. Meg's husband is kind of a misogynist. Yeah. The teacher is bad. Like every man in here is bad and is actively working to keep women down, even if they're posing as a feminist and posing as giving posing as an a, ally, an ally, or giving them yeah. choice or anything, right? Yeah, so and I, I love think that. Obviously, that's so intentional. But then, even on top of that, like where we do see those actions actively like harming this family, even then. Like Susan Sarandon, their mom, she's still very much of the autonomous, you're important, you are more important than that. I'm going to make sure that you know how important you are. Mm-hmm. So that way, like, and you had mentioned something earlier, just briefly, about how dangerous that is. Like, in general, like, how much confidence and courage it takes to have that, to show your children that. Not only to just be it in the society, to say... I am important. I am autonomous. I matter just as much as any man in this world. Gorgeous. But then to teach your children that and show them like, hey, it's going to suck. It's going to be really hard. And you're going to you're going to struggle. And I'm really sorry. That's true. But what's gorgeous is that if you know your worth, you can rise above it. And like that is the constant like there's not a line in here that for the most I from what I remember that she isn't instilling this in some way, whether it's the way that she's teaching them to share with one another or the way that they treat their friends or treat Lori or treat their mom. Like she is reminding them at all times that like be present, but also understand who you are and respect yourself and do not shrink yourself for any man or anybody else. And there's a line where she says um, so distinctly, I wish I could give you a more just world. Like yeah. she she knows and she She's like cool. <laughs> she has to look at her kids and say, look, this sucks. And I'm sorry that it sucks. I wish that it didn't. But this is where we're at. And what well, she's us, doing yeah. is just giving them the tools to be able to not only exist, but to break some of those rules and yeah. enabling them and showing them that they are powerful without like ever not once questioning them or like making them feel little. You know, the only time that we see anybody doing that is a man that's trying to tear them down and the confidence that they have and that they've built. Yeah, and, exactly. Um, and she is she is just the coolest fucking mom. She's and the best. Susan Sarandon is just the fucking best. So this was this was incredible. And I yeah. love that like also like on top of all of this complexity and all of this drama and this coming of age story we see so fucking much joy in this family even though they are struggling to put food on the table you know their dad's off at war they're sad their sister is disabled um you know they don't have any money they give their fucking christmas breakfast to another family but they're happy still and they're singing off tune and i love that i love that nobody can fucking sing they're like singing these christmas carols and it's so cute but like they are still finding moments to make their own joy and i think that that is the most fucking 
like radical thing that they could do is even in like this world that like wants to tear them down and wants to make them less than they are still rising above that and it's like a big old middle finger when like laurie is in the carriage and he's you know just being him with his his rich ass family and they're just fucking running along singing super loud having a great old time and yeah i i have a lot to say about laurie wanting to play poor because I feel like there's a lot there. But yeah, like... Even even them as sisters, the way that they lift each other, just from, from, a, from a level of like, I mean, apart from like the burning of the novel, like th- these moments of, of like obvious strife and then growth and then forgiveness. But like these moments where it's like, oh yeah, no, for sure. You're the best writer I know. It's like, you don't know any other writers. It's like, I don't need to. You're amazing. Yeah. I think you're fantastic. Like you deserve it. And it's like, oh, I'll consider it. It's like, you should because you're very good. Or even when like Beth... Like uh, playing the piano. Mm-hmm. Like you're literally so good. She's like, oh, I know. They're like, no, you should play. Like, And she's like, oh, yeah. The confidence that they have where it's like they li- they recognize and they're kind and they understand and respect the goodness and the skill and the joy of, of their siblings. And arguably it's like, I mean, not all the ca- always the case with siblings, but like they're friends. Sure. They're friends. And they, I just, it was so lovely because there was never a moment where it was like, Oh yeah, she's like whatever about that. It's like no, she's amazing. Like, Even is she bad the- at is she bad at churning butter? Maybe. Is she a fantastic writer? Without a doubt. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I love this. I mean, even when Amy marries Laurie, like Joe is still just like, "You're my sister. I love you. I could never be mad at you." Like, yeah. And um, fucking Laurie. God, fuck Laurie. Um, <laughs> so bogus. Okay, okay. But like, let's get into this, right? So this let's talk poor, about Laurie. This poor ass family, right, is, yeah. I mean, obviously they still have um, help around the house and they are still able to, yeah. you know, um, exist, right? They just, they are struggling. Um, they're struggling and they're poor by proxy. But They're impoverished by proxy, yeah. Right. So, but they're also making an effort to like, when it's Christmas morning and there's this beautiful spread in front of them and everybody is so fucking, oh my God, there's meat, there's sausage, there's an orange, there's butter. Like, and they're like talking about like food that we eat every day that like they yeah. are so fucking happy about it. And then to see like the mom come in and be like, hey, so this happened and everybody's kind of like, they really want that fucking food. But at the same time, they're just like, God, I know that this is the right thing to do. We see uh, Kristen Dunst kind of put the orange down and it's it's so heartbreaking. Like, And you're like, cool. But then they go out the door, they have their moment to be sad. They go out the door and they are happy to do it and they are singing. And all that matters is that they're together on Christmas and that's fine. Like, yeah. And then when Lori sees that, right, that's when he starts to be like, oh, well, I want that, right? Because whenever we see the Lori house, it is so cold and it's so drab. Sterile yeah, it's empty. And, it's emotionless. And it's like full of knowledge. It's full of wealth. It's full of all of the stuff, but it's not a home, you know? And so yeah. he wants to go and play with the poor people that do yeah. have that stuff, um, which, I mean, they do benefit from that because they get access to doctors for Beth and they are gifted like a piano and like also theater tickets and stuff. So they do profit off of that friendship, right? Yeah. But he's so infatuated with them and their life. Like, at first, I really liked Laurie. I was like, oh, okay, cool, like, whatever. Like, his parents died, and he just, like, doesn't know what he wants, and he just he just wants to, like, have family. That's cool. And then the more he kept going on, it felt so gross, like, because... Well, he's, yeah, he's the perfect archetype of a man. 
of a stereotypical man in the sense that like he sees the power that these women hold. He sees their joy. He sees their ambition. He sees their presentness. And he doesn't just want to be by them. He wants that from them because and it doesn't matter doesn't which one it is. Exactly. It doesn't exactly. matter which one it is because yep. at first he's looking at Meg, right? Yes. Where he's Joe stumbles off into the study at that dance or whatever when she's trying to like be like, oh fucking boy, nope, nope, I'm gonna leave. Yeah. Which was so funny. <laughs> this yeah. movie is also incredibly funny, and Kristen Dunst has the best fucking lines in this Kristen movie. Kristen Dunst is so good. Um. But so she stumbles into this like study and he's like, oh, hey, um, and he's staring at Meg. Right. And then they hang out and they dance and it's cute. And then like when she eventually turns him down, he's like, oh, Amy, oh, Amy. Yeah. Like it doesn't <laughs> to him. It doesn't matter which March it is. And he even says, uh, I despise everyone that marries one of you girls. I should be a part of your family. It doesn't fucking matter which one because he wants that joy. Right. Like, oh God, fuck that guy. He just fuck he him. just he just wants to take for himself this joy that they've cultivated and that they've they've earned. Like it's theirs. He doesn't want to cultivate it himself or with them. He wants to take theirs from them. And it's incredibly evident. I mean, literally, like he just jumps from one to the other, like, well, if I can't have you, then if I can't have you No, if I can't have you, I'm just gonna go <laughs> here, whatever, who cares? And then like it is such fuckboy behavior, and it's so boring. And it's, and it's honestly, so... <laughs> like, the only one that he doesn't hit on is Beth, and that's because she becomes disabled, right? Yes. And, like, that doesn't serve him. No. But, like, whenever he talks to any of these women, he's a fucking asshole. He's an asshole to Meg when she goes and gets ready with her friends, and they, they're like, oh, that's the dress you're wearing. Let me give you another dress. And she feels pretty and she feels happy and we see her light up in a way that we've never seen her do and in a way that we will never see in a way we will never see her again because she is just like please don't tell joe i just want this one night and i will be good for the rest of my life because he decides he tells her that that's not good because he's a gaslighter and a fucking manipulator he's a bad Um, guy he's he's a bad insecure little boy and it's so toxic And then when he proposes to Joe, he's got like their whole life planned in his head, right? Where it's clear that he is going to own her, where he's like, great, let's go to London. We can be married. You can stay at home and be a writer and you can do this without even fucking talking to her about it, right? And it's clear that they have chemistry, but he literally gets so fucking mad when she turns him down to like a gross extent where he's like, one day you're going to love tremendously. You'll live and die for them. And I can't watch this. Bye. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, what are you doing? And then he, like, uses her as a reason to delve into his fuckboyness where he is, like, literally the next time we see him, he's hanging on to women. And he's just kind of a playboy that's running around Europe on daddy's money, just fucking whoever because nothing matters and it's all fine. And, and, and this one girl dumped me, right? So then when Amy sees him, his first question is, like, are you married? Right. And then he calls her mediocre. He tells her like, oh, well, you should reform me. Right. He's like trying to get her 
uh, to fix him because like that's what he needs from her, right? And then yeah. he's like, I and it's also this is also incredibly like he's been predatory this whole time, uh, yeah. but like especially she was a young girl in the beginning of this, a real young girl, and he's like, I promised I'd kiss you, like you don't love that guy, like and Joe, I'm not in love with her, don't worry, I'm not in love, like while he's like clearly still in love with her, he's like, I I just envy her it's fine but like i like i love you like let's let's do this do you want to marry me and knowing that she as a young girl has loved him and has tried to get him to kiss her or like you know when you're a young person and you have a crush on somebody or whatever like uh, he knows that and he exploits that and she is about to get married to this she's about to get everything she's ever want she's fucking painting in france she's gonna get this rich ass husband that she actually likes you know and is actually really good to her and he's just like, nah, baby, he comes over and she she fucking goes for it. And I was so fucking sad. I was he's, heartbroken. He's so nasty. He is just yeah. like prototypical misogynist trash can. And it's guised in this story. I do think it's like the narrative portrays it incredibly well. Like even though throughout we're still seeing these characters like, like, wow, he's so handsome and wow, like, oh, I can't, he's irresistible. Even within the narrative, we as an audience are still aware, despite how handsome he is, despite how charismatic he may be, he fucking sucks. There's and never, then, yeah. <laughs> like, because, yeah, at first you're like, oh, okay, Laurie, like, maybe, like, I mean, he's cute, he's there, whatever, right? Yeah. And then as you start to recognize his predatory behavior and, like, when he lets out those just those little golden lines where he just like tears everything that these women are down to nothing and then tries to be like but look i think you're something it's Ugh. it's really fucking awful and then like you realize like going back and like rewatching and looking at his behavior you're like oh yeah this is gross this is really awful but as women we're we're kind of programmed uh, or like that's supposed to be romantic right like um, i've thought of all of this stuff and i cannot live without you like the manipulative like literally yes. i cannot do anything without you and i will die i'll kill myself if you don't and it's like stop stop mm-hmm. stop stop <laughs> you're manipulating like take a second go be like she said no cool go home think but you don't know how to be with your feelings. You just spew all of your nonsense out on this other person. And then suddenly when it's out and you're feeling better, it's like, wait, why are you feeling like shit? Why are you like, it's just, he's so bad. And it's such an interesting way to show this archetype. And like, of course, like they, they made him marry Amy just to remind you of how predatory he is. Right. So it's like, there is no redemption for him. And you're like, here is how to spot red flags, ladies. It is, does this person act like Laurie? <laughs> literally, literally. <laughs> I do think it's interesting too, and we'll get into it with the next one, but the way that they do that sort of heightened, I feel like, in the next one. I, yeah. Like, it's there are so many wonderful beats where it's like, in this one, it's kind of, it's a little bit more subdued. It's a little bit more, that's just him. And we're kind of, there, there's sort of an understanding of like, at least within the character perspectives, like, there's a level of like unspoken forgiveness around Lori that they all sort of have. But I feel like that is not the case in the next one where it's a little bit more like the text for his character is like Ophi and 
kind of stumbly and like bad and he says a couple things that i'm like oh like it's very clear they've written this character like he sucks like these lines are (laughs) like they're written because this character sucks it's like intention we're supposed to not like him for doing this yeah right i'm excited to but yes this character is so intentional i did like this portrayal of of lori and like of all of the men because there there really is nothing redeeming i mean even we can go on to the professor to frederick where oh let's talk about him first and foremost how the fuck old is okay, she and so how the fuck old is he? Because is, he's 45 and she's like 16. She's like 20. Uh, okay. Early 20s in there. Because I looked that up. I was like, what <sighs> the fuck is this? Well, but yeah, he yeah. is um, He is like 40. And I love that choice because, I mean, this is the first time she's in the city. You know, she's looking for validation. She's a young writer and all of that. And it's not just like, oh, well, you know, there it's a 40-year-old playing a 20-year-old. Like, no, he is He's 40. an older yeah. man. He knows he, this. He's doing this intentionally. Um, I really like that choice, but I hate that at the end it's rewarded. Yes, I hate at the end that it's rewarded too, especially in these moments. And I know, like, I want to talk about this scene specifically when she gives him her writing and his first line is, oh, this interests you? So fucking awful. So awful. Ew. I got so fucking nasty. Mad at that. Well, I, I like in the story that at least her reaction's like, um, yeah, fuck off. Like, yeah, she doesn't like, give him an in. Are you serious? Like, Winona Ryder like, no, no, in this no, 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 role no, no. is just, incredible. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. I'm just trying to be like, because I care about your work. She's like, I don't care. That's mm-hmm. fine. Because even in my notes when he says that, I was just like, just say fucking congrats. Literally. Be like, wow, congrats. Like, this is sick. Do you want notes? Easy. There is a better way to say that it's, than like, are you so fucking patron- serious? It's so patronizing. Oh, so this interests you? Fuck mm-hmm. off. I do like his follow-up, even though it like he still sucks. I do like that he's at least recognizing something Mm -hmm. and so his response is my opinion is of no importance you're like yes "Yes, good you get it i like that but the way that he said that was very manipulative (laughs) it Um, is yeah so he was just like whatever i guess i don't matter knowing that she has a crush on him right and he's a bad guy so that he didn't mean that at all that was literally just to be like okay whatever like yeah i guess i don't matter to you their ages also kind of threw me off just from the casting choice from like the recast for uh, Kirsten Dunst plays a young Amy mm-hmm. and uh, Samantha Mathis plays the older Amy. Yeah. But then the other characters, they just did not recast. Like I, they did not give an old. That felt odd to me. It was really odd and it really kind of like threw that. me off. Yeah. And here's one of the interesting tidbits that I looked up um, when they were casting for this, actually. That was for a big this one or the for next this, one for this one specifically. Okay. This was a big talking point because apparently they were looking for that role to be Mary Louise Parker. She was a big oh. in conversation for it. And then they had almost settled completely on Reese Witherspoon to play both. They <laughs> no weren't going to do. Yes, they weren't going to do a recast. It was because uh, apparently she was short enough to where she could play that young. And mm-hmm. then she could also play older because at the time I think she was like. 15 14 15 so it would be perfect and then they ended up saying no scrap that apparently Kristen Dunst was so good as the young version they're like because she's so good she has to be in it but she cannot play an 18 year old yes she cannot play an 18 year old she is so good in this movie her fucking lines are so good she is so over dramatic she is so over the top she's amazing but I I think it's awesome that that's like part of 
the reason they were like, well, we have to just do the double cast for her character. Personally, it did not work for me. Mm-hmm. But knowing why they did it, I'm like, you go, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, but yeah, I think it was a little jarring because Winona Ryder looked the same. Like, mm-hmm. like I could not tell that she had aged significantly. And now there's this like other person who is like aged significantly and does not look like the child. And I'm like... Who is this? <laughs> what yeah, are we doing? <laughs> I guess I guess part of the reason, right, if you think about it, like uh, Amy is so much younger than everybody. Yeah. And we're seeing Joe and Meg when they are like about to be married off, like they're of that age. So there wouldn't be as much of a difference. That's true. Um, and I, yeah. But, and I, I really like Amy being younger because I think that that suits her jealousy, her, her being unable to control her emotions um, yes. much better with her jealousy, with being so overdramatic and also just after hearing you know Aunt March and all of these um because I think Amy is a really interesting character as especially in the next one somebody that has to like hear all of the expectations of women and what we tell women that they should be and what they should do she really internalizes that and especially from Aunt March where she's from a young age she's like nope I'm marrying rich fuck all of this right and it's just It's so interesting because we see, especially in the next one, we see the weight that that carries and how that shapes and molds this person. And I I think it was um, really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean, her character is so complex and especially, I am so excited to talk about the next one because A, I love Orange Pew. I think she's amazing. So her as this character, ooh, so good. Yeah. And it's also, again, interesting. Like I I didn't realize this, but I think... um, Amy is the only one that goes to a proper school, right? Um, the others were homeschooled or schooled where because um, their parents uh, had a school, right? And then they got yeah. shut down because they weren't just admitting white children. Um, yeah. Which is another thing to say about the the family because they also like don't consume silk or anything like that because they're cognizant of the slave labor that goes into that. So I like that as kind of a conversation. But also like... Amy is told, Mary Rich, Mary Rich, Mary Rich. And her teacher, like these people that like are supposed to mean something to her, her role models and stuff, like her teacher literally tells her, it's as useful to educate a woman as it is to educate a cat. <laughs> like, that's fucked up. And then Lori is being all like flirty and predatory with her. And then like her auntie is trying to tell her like, you know, oh, get married, do all this stuff. The whole family is riding on you because everybody else in your family failed. Like, I mean, that girl's got so much fucking pressure. She really does. Yeah. But I don't feel like um, her character as a whole was really well developed in this film. I liked her character development in the next one much better. In this one, it just kind of felt like she was there and funny and overdramatic and great, but then she was an adult and then she wanted to bone Lori. The yeah. end. Like, uh, this, I didn't yeah. see a lot of transformation from, from point A to point B, you know what I mean? Yeah, Amy in the second, or in, in uh, the Gerwig film, is way, like, it's, apart from just a way more developed, we spend more time with her too, which I thought was fantastic, and Florence Pugh's delivery, like, yes, it didn't work when she was younger, but like, Everything she does was so good and nuanced and like all of her choices were so fucking cool. Like even even the moment Lori like shows up and then he's like, whatever. And she like just storm- she's like, fuck you. I hate this. I hate you and I hate this. Get away from me. Why are you doing it? Like, and in this she's one, she's like, so- oh, Lori. Yes, like, exactly. In hey. that one, she's like, you're a piece of shit. Fuck yeah. off. And it's just like, yes, it it just it feels so much more righteous. It, her character and her choices feel so 
much more influenced by reality. They feel like earnest. They feel so like they feel palpable in the which in, is funny. Like, yeah. Because in this one, she has a stronger mother figure, right? Who would, yes. who does teach her to fucking clap back and, yes. you know, to call people out on their bullshit. And in the yeah. other one, Marmy really isn't around very often. And again, yeah. we'll get to that. But yeah, like this film, it focuses in much more on Joe and on Meg than any of the other characters. Like Beth is hardly a character in this film. She's there for a minute. She gets... She literally gets scarlet fever and is permanently disabled for helping others. Like when all of the other girls were being selfish and I hate and I know that that's part of it is that life is unfair and all of this. But I just I hate that poor fucking Beth like she basically got written off because she because she was kind and everybody else was thinking about themselves and being selfish you know yeah um and we see her just like immense overwhelmness and sadness like when she opens that door just before she gets scarlet fever and it's it's real hard because she is just trying to be the best that she can for everybody she's kind of the every woman and i mean she plays the piano but i mean every meg joe and amy are all such big characters with such big personalities that she as a character just kind of like fades into the background a little bit Um, yeah she she's written as like an egoless martyr just in the sense of like She'll do whatever she needs to do for for what I yeah like I understand why she's here and it really unfortunately is just to be sort of this sacrificial character that ends up binding them together in the long run like right and that sucks and it's really sad I mean her death scene so it's like oh my god okay no I'm not even gonna talk about it we'll talk about it next because it's too much and it makes me sad um. That scene in this one is very sad. And she really is just this figure who is supposed to to show them as a family. Like do, she she's meant to bring them together. And like and part of this coming of age is is it's it is going through the hardest moments of your life and knowing that you're gonna be okay at the end of it. Like Beth, she passes away. She's dying. They know she's gonna die. Like how hard it's it's the most impossible thing it's the most impossible thing in their life and they have to go through it and they survive they survive Mm -hmm. after the fact and they grow from it and they're going to be heartbroken for the rest of their lives but that is unfortunately life oftentimes especially and i mean in just a coming-of-age story like this it is so intentional and i think good for the story because it really is like the hardest hard the hardest hardship Mm -hmm. uh they have to experience and joe specifically and you really see her embrace that darkness with such grace and such yeah. uh, love. Like in that last moment when they're in the room and, and she's telling her like, oh, you have to keep writing. And like, oh, my God, I'm ter-. like, it's just it's really I cried. I cried. I know. So it's really hard. sad. Both of these it's movies like... got me so fucking good because. <laughs> yeah, it's super sad. And like it's beautiful and it's and it's lovely. And I love that these scenes are there and that they exist because ultimately it is joyous i mean arguably at the end of the day is why she writes the little women it's for beth like she did it for beth Mm -hmm. that's why boom 
And just like Joe as a coming of age character, like also seeing like her coping mechanisms and how she like tries to sabotage her sisters getting married, like <laughs> the the it's, curling iron incident where she's oh. like, "My sister's bald." <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> it was so fucking so funny. It's, yeah. And, the way that she hides like behind her performativity of like, you know, she uses shock and charm, but doesn't mean it. When she meets Lori, she's like, I'm going to go to college and Europe and New York. Are you shocked? Oh, my God. Are you shocked? Like, and she does like this cute little dance because she's so proud of herself. But like her heart isn't in it yet. She still wants to. She she loves where she is now. You know, she yeah. hates skirts and she curses all the time. And she's just so fucking rebellious at like literally every moment and i fucking love it and when she stops the only time that she really stops this performance is once she's able to process the death of her sister and the death of her childhood right and she comes to terms with that and only then is she able to actually find success and she recognizes that it's hard and it's strange and it's weird and she's strange in it but it's it's fine like she's gonna be okay and she's ready to move forward and i think that's so fucking beautiful yeah also, I love Joe's writing hat. It was so cute. It is. Her little writing nightcap. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's such an endearing character. And like, I. And I, the cats, them dressing up their cats for these plays. Oh my God. So iconic. Cute. <laughs> I think I really want to talk about the next one. Should we just get into it? Let's do it. I'm so down. Okay. The four March daughters are adults, living their dreams, alive and thriving in the world. Joe is a writer in New York, experiencing life as a spinster. Meg is a wife and mother. Beth plays music every day. And Amy is studying painting in Paris. As they move through their daily lives, they start to reconcile their childhood memories, from putting on plays in the attic, to going to fancy singles parties, to their sister Beth getting sick, father coming home from the war, and so on. We see Beth and Mr. Lawrence Sr. become friends through music. Meg falls in love with John. Lori and Joe awkwardly dancing together, her turning down his marriage proposal, Amy being jealous of Lori and Joe, and all the girls dealing with what it means to be a woman in a world where a woman's only hope in having stability is to marry rich, a lesson Auntie March drills into their heads every moment she gets. One day, Joe gets a telegram informing her that Beth is on her deathbed. She immediately drops everything and leaves New York without even telling her friend Frederick where she was going. Joe and Beth spend every moment together, and Joe is finally faced with something she cannot challenge as her sister passes on. Meanwhile, across the sea, Lori, being the worst, convinces Amy to marry him instead of her current suitor. As Joe starts to rethink her life choices, she gets news of Lori's marriage to Amy and again has to face her reality. Stricken with grief for the sister she lost and the childhood she never wanted to end, Joe decides to write a story for her Beth, their story, and sends it off to be published. Frederick shows up to the March house and is welcomed with open arms. Joe's novel gets published and she opens a school with Frederick and her sisters. So, this movie fucking rules, uh, first and foremost. 100%. I think, personally, this style of sort of time-jumping storytelling worked so fucking well. Like, the fact that the opening scene is her selling that thing to the magazine, first and foremost. Like, mm -hmm. hey, I have a friend who's doing this. Is like, what? Is it a girly thing? It's like, no, whatever. He's like, fine, I'll give you this. Well, I think you should give me this. I'm giving you this. Okay. Like, this tit for tat. We're getting Joe off the bat we're getting exactly who she is she is a no nonsense i'm gonna do whatever i have to i get that i'm a girl 
I get it, but fuck you. And I'm still going to try like immediately. Boom, boom, boom. And I'm like in it off the bat. Yes. I'm on Joe's team. We get it. Fuck this world. Fuck this guy. Fuck everything. You're amazing. I'm so here. Yeah. I <sighs> love that. I love that opening scene. <laughs> it's um, so good. It was it's so, so good. fucking cool because you learn everything that you need to know about Joe and about the world that they're in. Right. And I really, really like that we show everybody where they're at now um, because you have like so much context when you then go back and revisit these events. So like being introduced to Lori as an adult and Amy where they're at and then going back and seeing how all of these things unfold. You're like, oh, Predator. Great. Like, and so I think um, and I also think it's really important um, and it was a really, really cool choice for the story because this shows all of these women in their power especially joe especially joe being just like this is who i am and just fucking unapologetic we see her right off the bat she's a writer she is selling a story in a world where you know it's supposed to be all men right just like challenging that on such a fundamental level and so when we go back and we see all of these women as children and see kind of like how they got to where they are we're already i mean in the other one, we were invested already because, like, they were all so uh, great together. But this one, we're invested because we're like, cool, how did you get there? What shaped you? Like, yes. um, and it was done so well. Even the last line of that scene, that opening sequence, he tells her to rewrite the ending. He says, make sure she's married or dead by the end. That yep. line. And then that comes Not- back at the very end, too. Incredible. Not only that, not only that, but like on top of because already this movie is still playing with like the sort of meta trope of like she's writing the story of a little woman. It's the story of a little woman. Like we're kind of inside baseball a little bit. Cute. Love it. This immediately is already setting the tone for the conversation about feminism and about feminists in this world and the conversation about tropes in story. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at if we're looking at Joe, our main character, we're introduced. She's the one. He's literally telling the main character of the story that she's writing, which is her, make sure she's either married or dead by the end. And the way that she is so, like, she tells us from the beginning, largely, like, I'm not getting married. This comes first. We see that. So, really, what the story is, is Joe rebelling against a world that's trying to kill her and her saying, You can't fucking kill me, mm-hmm. is the story. <laughs> and they tell us it's so well done. They tell us that. Step one. Minute in, a minute in, boom. Make sure she's married or dead by the end. It's yeah. so like Jess. I cannot. I was screaming. Asisha Ronan. She the way that she immediately is Joe. Oh, and then here's a fun thing about this. Another fun fact. Sirsha didn't even audition. She just told Greta that she was going to be Joe. <laughs> yeah, because they were, uh, they did Ladybird together. They did Ladybird, um, and immediately after that, when Greta was like, had to fight. A first and foremost, gross had to fight to get into the room to even be considered to write it. And then after oh writing, God. it was like, it wasn't even be considered to direct it. And then she's are like, what are you talking? Yeah. And then they were like, okay, I find, I guess you can. She's like, yes, thank you. <laughs> like what, what are you talking about? Yeah. Um, initially they didn't want her to adapt or direct. And then gross. she's like, well, no, fuck that. I'm doing both. They're like, okay. But so when that happened, uh, Saoirse was just like, uh, I'm Joe. And she's like, you're Joe. She's like, good. And yeah, I, I think I read <laughs> good, that good, 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 um, good. <laughs> originally Greta was like, oh, I don't know. She was worried about working with her after having just come off of Lady Bird, which I mean, Timothy Chalamet is also in this too. So, uh, but she was it's like, oh, I don't whole, know. The but Gerwig then, crew. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then she was like, 
oh no that is the most joe thing like absolutely you're joe there's no question you are joe yes, and she literally. did such a fucking it was, wonderful performance it was holy shit insanely good like i was so first of all i love searsha i think she's amazing i think she's so talented truly and in this movie it's just what a fucking delight the whole cast like yes the whole cast i could not tell you how beaming i was beaming when they go into the house initially it was after the party and uh she rolls her ankle and they have to go back to the house and this is the first time Timothy Chalamet shows up at the house and we see Laura Dern and she's like, hey, yeah. like, what's up? <laughs> as soon as she's like being this lovely person and she's like making all these jokes, she's juggling all these things. She's trying to get ice for the ankle. Then she makes a joke at Laura like, hey, Laura, you need ice for your ankle, blah, blah, blah. Like she's so charming and she's so warm. It is the most eloquent, most perfect, illustrious, like lovely, lovely, lovely introduction to this world. Where we see them all for the first time together as kids. Like, this is the first mom, kids, everyone. We're all here. Bang, bang, bang. And, and the is, way they work together, right? Which is so flawless. Like, it's everybody so knows exactly where to be <sighs> and, ex- like, at exactly what moment and where they're needed without even talking to each other. Just, like, and, yeah, she's, like, entertaining while she's also taking care of her daughter's sprained ankle. Like, very, very fun. It's so, so good. I just, so good. Um, Yeah, where, so apart from, like, glowing reviews of this where do you should we should we talk about Lori off the bat in this one um i think so i think um okay. just in general i think that the men's introductions felt better and more organic um less predatory right off the bat um which is well, especially which, with frederick especially, especially with frederick. especially with him yeah. i really liked the the character choices that they made for him and it's interesting that they felt less predatory even with the context that were given in the beginning of the movie. Yes. Um, so I just think it was just overall a better writing, which Greta go off. Oh, she, I mean, amazing. Like literally the, the sort of longing, like a stoop moment where it's like, oh, you're cute. Oh, so are you. Like, and they're kind of the same age, which is like iconic. So we're getting this moment. And then even the moment when she's like by the fireplace and her dress catches on fire and he like, he's like, no, you're on fire. She's like, oh, what the fuck? And he's like, it's okay. And he shows his coattail and he's like, I, I do the same thing. I get lost <laughs> in thought. And you're like, yes, yes, this, this is exactly right. Like, of course. Well, of and course. also he's like a much <laughs> kinder version, a much yeah. kinder, like more thoughtful version where like right off the bat, like before even reading anything, yeah. he just sees her writing and he gives her, he gifts her books and says like, hey, these will help you study character. Like, this is cool. Like here, this is helpful. And then he like, at, he invites her, he says, or like he asks, he said, hey, I would love to read your work if you trust me. Uh, like the the way that he words that, I forget the exact, but it was just, it was so perfect. It wasn't like saying, hey, give me your shit. It was just like, hey, if you feel comfortable and you are willing to trust me, um, I would absolutely love to read your work. And it was yeah. so, so honest and earnest. Um, and even in the feedback that he gives her, I mean, like he's a little bit harsh. He's like, I don't really like this, but he's not a super asshole like he was before. <laughs> yes, she she has a right to be kind of like, well, fuck you, I guess. Absolutely. But even, but even then, he's not being like, like this belittling asshole. He's just like, well, no, I'm like, Sure, it is hard to hear, and maybe I'm coming across like an asshole, but I don't intend to. However, he's it's a totally different framing of the same scene that I thought was so much better. Especially yeah. for, for these peers who, like, are fond of each other. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very clear their tension is palpable, and we're seeing it. It felt so, like such a real scene. 
of and, these two characters. Yeah, and I, I liked that I didn't feel like he was being malicious at all, which was really cool. I mean, Joe just has a hard time with, uh, I mean, her reaction is very Joe and fit the character very well. But yeah, he he is kind. He's not predatory. We see yeah. like those little interactions like them passing each other at the door and stuff like where they're drumming up interest. And I also really love that um, one of the things I fucking love so much about the start of this movie is we see Joe interacting with the world, going to the fucking bar and dancing with a bunch of dudes and doing all this stuff. Amazing. And she's doing this by herself individually. Whereas in the last one, um, she had to be like the door had to be opened for her basically. And that was opened by Frederick. So in this one he has nothing to do with getting her these publishing jobs or allowing her into this conversation or anything like as that kind of performative allyship that frederick did in the last one where like that was also very predatory right because he was trying to get in her pants but um this one he truly is just a peer and she is a single woman living in new york and thriving and because like it also felt a little bit weird for joe's character in the last one to be in these spaces and to not fucking speak up when they're talking about feminism (laughs) and she's just like hey you know like that felt very off that's not joe joe wouldn't just sit back like she is this adventurous she is this sort of like outspoken she's outspoken she's charismatic she's big she's lively she's yeah, let's go do that. I'm going to go do that. Who who said we can't? Nobody. Let's go. Like, she is that person. So to see her, like, because in the other one, I think they were trying to be like, yeah. oh, well, she was, uh, now she's um, a big fish in an ocean, not a big fish in a little pond, right? Like, th- yeah, I think that's yeah, what yeah. they were going for. But I liked this version better where she is a big fish anywhere she goes because she is just there and you have to deal with her because she's not leaving she's not going anywhere and so having frederick just be a peer and be kind about what he's saying and being inviting and actually truly wanting to help her rather than just be predatory and belittle her and make her feel like shit um was a much much better take on that character and it lended more credence to the ending when he shows back up and she's like oh i haven't seen you and then everyone's like oh who is this guy she's like we were friends it's so much more believable like yeah they were peers and on top of that i'd love this like kind of like he's hot (laughs) (laughs) hey i mean that accent right just like go off way better than laurie and this was (laughs) this was the thing that i loved about laurie what i was saying in the last one where there was a line reading that i felt like was so much more uh, uh, specific to Lori being a piece of shit, a dummy asshole. Mm-hmm. It was this scene. The whole time, he's like, who's Frederick? And nobody's, was so nobody's good. listening. He's like, excuse me, who's this person? She, Wait, who's who this, is this person? person? <laughs> Nobody cares. Nobody cares. I laughed so hard. I it's laughed. so clear. Oh. Everyone's like, who's this fucking hottie? And she's like, it's nobody, whatever. They're like, he loves you. And she's like, it's fine. And then he's like, wait, no, who's this guy? And they're like, shut up, Lori. Let's talk about this guy. And he's like, wait, who is this guy? They're like, shut up, Lori. And for the first time, he's having to cope with the fact that he's not the only man in this room. That he's not the only one. He's not the desirable one anymore. He's not the one who everyone has to come to. There's another hot, another cool, arguably much better person than Lori here in this room. And he cannot cope. His ego is so huge. And we're seeing it so clearly. It is everything that Lori has been, was, and will be in this moment personified. His jealousy, his fear, his everything. And I mean, even in that fight where he's like, I'm going to be the one to watch, right? You're you're gonna find somebody else, and then I'm gonna be the one watching you fall in love. With yeah, you else. are. <laughs> yeah, you are. After, yes, and you, you know what? Fucking are. <laughs> you're gonna be that person after you fucking marry my sister. Get 
fucked. Get and I, fucked. And, and I at the it. end, he's <sighs> the one that's holding the yeah. baby while Amy is off doing her thing with her sisters. I was like, yes, yes fucking she and is going to keep him in her place. <sighs> Because Amy in this movie is incredible. She's Does great. she make a bad choice with going with Lori? Yes. Mm. But I think part of the reason that she makes that choice is because she knows that she can control him and put yes. him in his fucking place. Because not once does Amy let anybody, especially Lori, get away with fucking anything. Truly. It's just so it's it's so much more well it's just so well crafted. Like I could not get over how much I like that scene. And and even further, like the whole meta commentary of like, did that ending even happen? Right. Like yeah. iconic where it's like it cuts back to the first scene where it's, well, what would you need? Well, she needs to fall in love. She needs to go chase after him. And it's like, well, what if what if she chased like, that's a good idea. What if she chased him to the train station and didn't let him go? OK, where they're like literally verbalizing what's happening and we're seeing it. It's like, is that real? Did that happen? Did he come back? Like. What is the story? Mm-hmm. Is it true? Is it not? Amazing. Like, I cannot get over. Like, it's to me. Okay. I love the movie Big Fish. I think Big Fish is incredible. I think it's really, really good. I've watched it recently. A lot of problematic bullshit. I think it's messy. But the ending will never not make me cry. And this is the like a very similar ending where it's like, you make it up. Mm-hmm. Like, Tell me what happens. How does this story end? What if it's this? What if it's that? And it's like, does that even matter? Does it matter how this ends really? Because that wasn't the story. The ending isn't the story. Our family and our love and our friendship is the story. Mm -hmm. And we've already told that story. And we have that with us forever, which is so perfect because at the end, you see her watching the book get bound. You see her see the gilded fucking gold take off. She takes the book home. And there in the backyard, she's walking through cake kids family community they go to the table we see them all together perfection because the ending doesn't fucking matter it doesn't matter how this ends what matters is them and now they have this not only in the physical book but together as one forever and it's just so beautiful and And i couldn't get over how good the ending was (laughs) and also it's not the end right i mean this is the end of this story for these characters too you know so it's i really like when stories do that when they leave it a little bit ambiguous and they allow for the fan fiction and the imagination and all of that to kind of take over because life just continues (laughs) y'all life (laughs) just continues and this is the like a perfect perfect example of 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 some it's just it's, it's so impressive. Like, what an impactful film. Yeah, and I think the reason that, uh, a big reason why this is just such a good film and such a good take on this writing is just because, in a large way, the men were written better, you know? Uh, and They so, were written more realistically, too. Yeah, so it makes it, it gives it more depth, you know? It gives it more weight oh my God. when, when like, this stuff happens, you know? I, speaking of more weight, the death scene I do want to get oh, into fuck. for how impactful it was. So for well, before I do that, the scene where, what is his name? Mr. Lawrence. Yes. When, okay. When I he's love... waiting outside the house Oh my god! and Joe walks up and she's like, what are you doing out here? And he's like, I cannot go in there because if I go in there and she's not there, then it'll be real. Yeah. And I can't walk into this house expecting to see her because I expect to see her all the time there but she isn't Mm -hmm. i don't know how to reconcile that and she's like what if we went in together and he's like okay 
oh my god jazz it's I just cried like so hard it's so good because it's so real like that mo that yearning of like yeah they died mm-hmm. okay what now like i'm gonna go back to this place where i know that they exist and they no longer exist what does that mean how am i supposed to fathom that Oh, it's so impactful. And that's part of the oh reason why these movies just made me fucking cry so much yeah. after losing the person Ugh. that I love the most in the yeah. entire world. Um, mm-hmm. And seeing this and feeling that way. And <sighs> and I love, I mean, in the other one, it was, um, you know, Beth dies. It's very sad. Um, but in this one, the way that they deal with that grief. And I, I love, I feel like Beth got a better story in this because mm-hmm. um, rather than her just being, I mean, sure, she was sick and not in a lot of this movie. She was still mobile. She still got to play. She had this beautiful connection with Mr. Laurie, right? And it wasn't gross at all. There was nothing predatory about it. But you see, like, he invites her. He knows that she's going to come over and play music. But he's like, if anybody plays piano, and she's like, oh, 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 I, I mean, I wouldn't want to, uh, I wouldn't want to impose. And he's like, no, 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 please. And when she sits down to play and she's playing hit the, the scene the where stairs. he walks down the stairs and he just sits there and he and like starts crying, crying like, oh, my God. Like, and then uh. he like buys her the piano and like you see just like how much like that connection means to him. And yeah. They're bonding through art and through the and through like oh just that was so good and I feel it's, like that gave so much more weight to her because like she had you know I mean sure she meant something to her sisters and stuff but like this I feel like I feel like that just added so much more depth to her. Well, even even like, it's like that on top like just even like a nonverbal visualization of her impact. Of like yeah. how how much she means to the people in her life. Even this arguable stranger. He's weeping on the stairs because of the way she plays. Like amazing. But then even subsequently when she's at the beach with Joe. Right. They're having this conversation. And again, even though she is disabled, she's still out. She's still enjoying her life. She's yeah. still with people. She still exists. You know, her life isn't over yet. And in the other one, and she kind of, she was just bedridden and her life was she's over. Her life is over. Yeah. And like, and I mean, yeah, they're on the beach and, you know, she's kind of like helping Joe and she's like, I'm proud of you. Like, I love yeah. you. Like, you're such a good writer. Like, I want to hear what you wrote. I don't want you to read me like stuff that other people wrote. Well, the, and then seeing yeah. Joe climb into bed and just hold her sister. I, oh my God, I'm going to cry well, right now talking I know, about it. But it's, like it's, that closeness and uh, that is, love and that care and one of the best and most beautiful things that I have seen in a long time. The way that they show it to it, like I just cannot get over how well this story was like treated. And and even in even like and I know this is like the hardest scene to talk about, but the death scene. I I alluded to it before, but like the way it's shot, initially, right, Joe is by her side. It's coming. We know it's coming. She knows yeah. it's coming. It's ha- gonna happen. She falls asleep and wakes up. Her sister's gone. The bed is made. Panic. She's up. She runs. We're getting these close-ups of her hands on the rail, her feet on the steps. It is sheer panic. This isn't it. This can't be it. There's no way. She runs into the kitchen. Her sister's there. She hugs her. her. She weeps. Fantastic. She's not like whatever. But then subsequently we get the exact same scene, except it's like everything's different. She falls asleep, wakes up. The bed is made. Her sister's not there, but she doesn't panic. There is just an understanding, a nonverbal understanding like, Okay, she knows. We watch her walk down the stairs and 
calmly into the kitchen and we see Laura Dern there by herself. She turns, they weep. It happened, no words. Whoa. The way, <laughs> Jess. <laughs> I know, like, I know. The way this was done, I can't even, like, it's just so real, right? Like, these moments where it is, it is just like, I know now, right? She woke yeah. up and intuited, okay, I know this. I know what day today is. Let's go. I just have to go. And that is just, it. It there it is. It happened. And like, it's just so well done. Like, that's how you tell a story. Like, how intense and how emotional and how difficult is that? And the way that they, she, the way that Greta Gerwig shows this, I can't get over it. I, I'm so impressed by it because it is so real. It's just so yeah. well done. It's so real. Fuck. <laughs> like, especially for it being kind of Joe's story, we're getting her sister's death through her eyes from yeah. just everything that it's setting up. We're, we understand with her exactly what's happening in such a specific way. And it is perfect. It's perfect. Especially after just all of those tender moments before that we didn't yeah. get, you know, we didn't really get in the other one, right? She shows up, they like talk for a minute and then it's done. Um, but yeah. in this one, like, I mean, to spend like a full 10 minutes on their relationship and what they mean to each other and, you know, like mm -hmm. having Beth just know that she's going to die, know that it's coming and being willing to face it like head on un unafraid it's, it's and so, just yeah. but so thankful to be there with her sister and just cherish every fucking moment like i especially it's, after those tender moments to then like that was absolutely the right choice and i so stand by that so so and hard just and i couldn't i couldn't agree with you more just the development of beth like it made those moments more real. Because like in the other one, yes, it's sad she passes. But we don't know her really. But And like, it felt like they just kind of left her. She was forgotten about. And then they were we? like, oh, shit, my sister died. Oh, my gosh. And in this one, it actually really means something. Because we know. know her. We know who she is to these people. We know how she impacts strangers. Again, we know like her being like, fuck you. You should write again. What's wrong with you? She's yeah. like, no, whatever. She's like, you're the best writer I know. You're an amazing writer and you should write. And you know what? Fuck you. If you're not going to write for you, write for me. Do it for me then. I know how much I mean to you. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you should. You should. It's, I got you. And it's just, it's just, she's joyous. She's silly. She's fun. She's talented. She like, she has so many things in this movie that she isn't in the other one. Or at least that not that we get to see. Jess, this movie is like triumphant. It it, it's really good. It's like the other really one's like good. a ten. The other one's like a a nine point five. This one is a twelve. Like yeah. on a scale of ten. Yeah. This yeah. this one is like, it's just it's so well done and like. Let's get into Laurie because um, yeah, he's fucking gross. He's so so privileged. And he. he Keeps in making this... everything about him. Everything is yeah. about him. He's a gaslighting, manipulative asshole who, and also a fucking fake feminist. I can't wait to get into this. Well, the thing is, is I loved this iteration of this character so much 100%. because it is not trying to masquerade as anything that it isn't. Like when we see him at that party and he causes a scene and throws his drink and says, what about like he's a brat. He's a little manipulative, privileged brat. We mm -hmm. see him at every turn being this way. Like, 
there is never a moment of doubt that he is kind of this little like sleazy asshole. And he's just performative, right? Like anytime so that he says anything that is like maybe like, oh, well, I'm I'm an ally, right? He's like uh, saying, oh, you don't need to say things like that. Or like, I mean, but who decides who gets in the club of geniuses, right? I mean, it's men. Am I right? You know, it's like and that's his way of hitting on women is trying to relate and trying to be like, oh, yeah, men control everything. But then also He's trying to control them through his love and through his like um, his wealth and things like that. Like it's never yeah. about them and it's never about seeing them. It's just about uh, it's just about that manipulation. Yeah, it's it is so upfront and so apparent. And it's again, it is just a, such a good characterization of of who this person is supposed to be for these for these characters. Like he has nothing to do with this story. He is just there to be this sort of antagonistic archetypal masculine figure and he plays it so well in this movie. He really did. It's just I mean so good. The performance was great. The Amazing. the writing was great. Like I yeah. I mean Let's I, I love that they kind of furthered how shitty he is where like at first he like goes to, with Meg on that um he can't let her have fun when she again gets all dressed up and is really um you know he's like I don't like the fuss and feathers and like yeah. whenever and she's drinking and he's like you're going to get a headache and like like everything that she's doing that brings her joy He's like poo-pooing it. And he's like, you're not actually going to marry anybody here, are you? Like, and then when she's crying, um, and this is Meg, when she's crying in the corner, he's like, hey, I mean, I'm sorry. It's fine. Like, you want to dance? And she's just like, okay, well, just don't tell Joe because um, like, just let me have my fun tonight and I'll be good for the rest of my life. And I love that they kept that line because I think that's a really powerful line. And I think that this scene really speaks to who um who his character is but god like i feel like this this scene just stuck it a little bit better where it's just like god, yeah no he's an asshole like she's having a drink of champagne and he's like you're gonna get a headache like fuck you like he's just controlling oh asshole. like she's beaming she walks up to him beaming she's glowing she's having a lovely time she gets to perform well she gets to perform riches and l luscious illustrious gorgeousness and she walks up glowing and beaming and he says, I hate the way you look. Or like he says something so. He says, I don't like the fuss and or, or something like that. Later on, he well, says like the he, fuss and yeah. feathers. But yeah, he, he says he, just like, gross. I don't I don't like it. I think you look terrible. I think you look bad. And she's like, what? And he, like, what? What about this makes me? What, what about well, he this wants her homely. I don't like the fuss and right? feathers. He wants her well, to be that also, poor girl that he, he can, you know, parade he just his wants wealth to, on. He just wants to control her. That's mm -hmm. all it is, is like. She's like having joy and he's like, I need to control that joy in the same way that he wants to control Joe's joy and all of their joy. He is jealous and he wants that. He and wants Amy. to control them. Yes. Like he is. OK, yeah. I have like a whole thing on things that he says to Amy, which are really fucked up. So that's why I think the reason that Amy like gets with him is because one, she's always loved him. Right. Which I mean. Okay, but two, yeah. because she knows that she can control him and she has no fucking problem like clapping back to him. Yeah. So um, we know who's in control in that relationship. But he says, one day you're going to be miserable too. Then he like has that whole fit at the party, right? And then he's like, oh, but don't worry, Fred. I love you. Oh, you're not engaged yet? Well, make your last 
portrait of me if this is the last time like make like again in every instance he's centering himself in any fucking conversation because he can't stand to have a conversation with a march girl and not have it be about him and then the last thing that he says to her um before like she decides to break off that marriage or that that possible proposal is riches sound weird on someone out of a march or on, on someone uh out of a march girl or whatever like he's he's basically saying you can't be rich. You're poor. This is how I see you. And this is where you belong unless you're with me, which is fucking wild and I, so controlling and so gross. He's a stinky little baby. He's a stinky he is, little baby. He looks baby. like a stinky little baby. He does. He's like, he's so, it's, ugh. Uh, I'm, I love, I love his character in this. I just like, I, I love that he is not, there, isn't, there are no punches pulled in describing how sort of, obnoxious this man is and what a fucking just, mess he is too in paris mess. like fucking mess yeah well just like obviously he's gonna be a part of the family he ends up marrying Amy. like we know this but like we're not playing around in terms of making him look like an absolute mm-hmm. narcissist like oh it's like iconic it's very good yeah it's very good let's talk about amy let's talk about amy let's talk uh, about amy florence Pugh. first first and foremost florence Pugh had two days off between shooting Midsommar and this. Oh shit, really? Yes. So she finished, she wrapped filming for Midsommar, went home for two days and was on set the third day to shoot Little Women. Damn. Okay, So it's literally the same exact time. She didn't even, she didn't have a break. But uh, she said in interviews that like this was her, her therapy for that film. That's what she treated it like because that film is like, I haven't I mean, seen for it her, yet because it's for real her heavy. character. It's really heavy. It's very gaslighty. It's very rough. It's very scary and sad. So to come off of that and then to go into this iconic, she's so good. I she's fucking love really Florence, good. Florence Pugh. Um, so Amy, this version of her, I'm obsessed with. I like. Yeah. She's so. She is Amy. Mm-hmm. This is Amy. Like without a doubt, in all of. Her glory, I mean, granted, I completely agree when you brought it up in the last version. Her burning the novel and like sort of when she is young, Amy, this sort of childishness that she's performing does feel a little out of place because it's just Florence Pugh and Florence Pugh is not eight she years old. She doesn't look, I mean, she, <laughs> she looks like she's 25. They all look like they're 25 this whole time. And so I'm yeah. like, this feels, why are you doing that? You're better than this. Like, it girl. Feels, I mean, granted, there is a level of me that was like, okay, it feels like maybe 13, 14, 15 angst, like my sisters left me out. But she does not look 13, 14, 15. I know. I know. And it's the hardest part. It was a a disconnect. But I mean, the performance was great. Just the look was not there, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And that's just what it is but i did love that they in uh in her character they really hit on um that uh whole like she's carrying the weight and the expectations of women and of her whole family um which you know i feel like that was kind of there in the last one but this one that's her whole fucking character she is told time and time again that she has to marry rich that she has to take care of the family because the rest of her family fucked up and married poor and stuff like and she has her aunt that kind of like latches onto her 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 fucking aunt Meryl Streep was so good um (laughs) and so bad we we see that way and what that means for her because like there's so many lines where she's just talking about how she will not settle for second best in anything if she's not the best then it doesn't matter then fuck that right she wants to be the best painter not just 
a painter, right? She doesn't care about love. She wants respect and she wants money and she wants to be able to take care of herself, especially after like, I mean, arguably they're not poor in this iteration of the story, but like those were probably the poorest moments of her life when she was growing up and she wanted all of these things and saw Lori having all of these things. And so she decided that that is the life that she wants for her. And then again, with her aunt kind of like poisoning her with all of that kind of nonsense, you know. And also, like, um, I really liked the line where she was talking about how she's always been in Joe's shadow when Laurie's like, marry me, you know. Oh, God, gross. But um, she's that like... was so good, though. It was oh, my God. so good. She's like, I have Ugh. always been second to Joe. I won't settle for anything. I will not settle for being second in your life. That is not how this works. I've spent my whole fucking life loving you. Fuck you. And she, like, walks away and from him. And she storms away. You're like, she yeah, has- so much power in this role and i love that energy that this care that she brought to this character and i feel like um there's a better because uh, this story is joe's story but it's also um in the last uh the last film it was joe and meg's story it felt like it was uh really their story this one took so much more care to have amy be that person you know yeah and because like too i mean she does kind of get the sloppy seconds and everything, right? She gets like, you know, she gets with Lori, she gets with this. And then you see like just how much of Joe and watching Joe really did shape Amy, you know? Yeah. And like her face when she looks up at her sister and like, you know, uh, when she comes back to the house and she's like, oh my God, so you know, I'm so sorry. I wanted to write you like oh, we're married. It's a thing. And she's just like, it's okay. I'm happy for you and I love you. And the tears like that that she get like she just has this moment where she's like my sister's gonna hate me forever oh my god and she just feels such a sense of relief at like finally being able to have something that is hers that is not like you know that nobody else like told her that she can't have or whatever you know what I mean like yeah this is something for her that she wanted and she got it you know she's not gonna be the best painter in the world she's not gonna marry for money or anything she married Laurie because that's what she wanted. Yeah. It's and it's it's so evident. And I think too, just from the performances of these actors, like part of what I was reading was um the way Greta Gerwig directed this, Emma Watson said specifically like it was refreshing because I guess Greta would ask the actors like they were more engaged with the takes like not like we got it i know what i'm doing she'd be like do you have anything else like do you have another one like was that the one did you feel like that was right like wow like getting the actor's input to be like for your character is that the one like was that the take do you feel like that's that that is you that's fucking i mean it fucking read these characters really were there and like i feel like that has everything to do with how the way that that directing style worked so eloquently, like, I mean, obviously the talent is amazing, but being able to say, like, for your character, do you think that was the right one? Like, I, obviously she's going to take what she needs to, but to be like, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Collab. Amazing. Iconic. <laughs> and she Collab. did it pregnant. She did it pregnant, too. What? No way. Gre- Greta Gerwig was pregnant while uh, directing this. Oh, yeah. my God. Which is, I mean amazing insane what Go off. <laughs> crazy it's a it's an incredible film like it's so good i could not believe how like i mean i guess i could i think Greta Gerwig is amazing but just like 
what a triumph. Like, what a good film. Mm-hmm. What a good film. Oh, my God. Should we do I the outro? Ha- um, yeah, let's do the outro. Let's rock and roll. And we're back. Cool. Hello. We made it. Whoa. Um, all the way we back from Concord in Woo. the 1800s. We're here. We did it. Uh, Eric. Yes. The 1994 version of Little Women. Yeah. Um, who was it for? I mean, the story itself I, is for not men. <laughs> <laughs> I think is like the best way to say that. It's just it's for women. It's for it's for not men. Everything else is about men. Everything else centers men. Everything else is is has to do with them in some intrinsic or some sort of narrative based structure. And this movie doesn't. Fuck Lori. Who is Lori? Nobody. This movie's about them. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this movie is about women, for women, by women. Yes. Yeah, um, I 100% agree. This movie is for women, not just yeah. little women, big women, young women, old women. Uh, all women. Yeah, all women. Literally all women. Everybody that's yeah. not a man, really. Literally because for not men. Yeah, exactly. It's Or, I mean... <laughs> Anybody that like doesn't subscribe to toxic masculinity for yeah. you, sure. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah I'm not going to say this is just for women because how many times do we as women watch coming of age stories for dudes and we're like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, you know, that's it. No, fuck you. Watch this movie. Yeah. It is very good. Um, I can't speak for the book. I'm sure the book is also great, too. But like, watch it. It's great. Yeah. Did you like it? I did like it. I thought it was really good. I, I mean, granted, we know my opinions. I like the other one more, <laughs> but this one was great. This one's good. I mean, Kristen Dunst, an absolute star, uh, went on a writer, incredible. Six years old or whatever. Truly. Susan Sarandon, she stole the show. She stole the fucking show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Susan Sarandon, iconic. Like, it's just, the the cast was stacked, and it was well done. Just well done. It was a good, it's a good movie. Did you like it? A hundred percent. I love this movie. I do think that Marmee is better written in this movie, but I think that's because she's actually in it a little bit more and it does center her a little bit more. So I, I mean, what a fucking good TV or what, what a good movie mom. Like, God damn. Susan Sarandon is always wonderful, but then also it's always such a treat to, to see her in roles like this. Like, God, she's so fucking good. But yeah, the the whole cast, I mean, Winona Ryder was perfect. Um, Kristen Dunst was perfect. Christian Bale was perfect. Like, I feel like it was just perfect. You can just throw this on at any point, anytime, whatever. And it is also like so fucking funny. Don't let the name throw you off. Like where it's like, oh, little women, it's for women. So I shouldn't want like, you know, whatever, I'm uh, whatever. No, like this is literally. It's just, it's good. (laughs) Don't let that stop you from enjoying uh, an almost perfect film. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, a, a good movie. Um, what about the 2019 version? Was it new, interesting, or the same? Progressive, regressive? How we feeling? I mean, it's new and interesting for all positive reasons. I think the narrative aspect, the way that we jump time, iconic, just from a storytelling perspective, amazing. Also interesting, the way that we get to spend more time with these very nuanced and very like realized characters in a way that we didn't in the other one, we get to see conflict. The intention of like Lori's character being an asshole is so much more prevalent and so much more palpable and realized. It's like, I mean, the the conversation around like feminism and, 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 and in the book, like we open it with like, she either has to get married or she has to die. Amazing. Progressive. We're having those conversations. Iconic. 
I think the story is evolved with today's ideals in the very same way. I mean, we're looking at the base text for what it is, what it said, but we are reframing it in a way that is clear and specific to the misogyny of the time mm-hmm. through Absolutely. the lens of this this new narrative structure. I just, I mean, I'm so impressed. Absolutely. I think it's all three. I think it's new, interesting, and the same. Um, the same in the in terms of it is the same base story, but interesting yeah. because of like you were talking about the time jumps and the way that um, the narrative isn't linear. I think that really serves it really well. Um, and it took that framework and just mixed it around a little bit and really elevated and heightened um, every character, every um, except except Marmy. I, yeah. I'm going to hold on to that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like heightened, um, like just everything about this, uh, about this story. And I think it's more intentional. I think it's so much more progressive because it actually knew what it wanted to say um, a little bit better in terms of how we were dealing with the men in this story. Yeah. So, you know, that the introduction of them being there and then, I don't know, it, it, it felt better and less predatory too, which was great. I mean, even though Laurie still is predatory, I liked that Frederick wasn't. I mean, it was just so good and in in a way that doesn't, I don't think takes away from the other film, um, but in a way that you're like, cool, this is a good foundation for this and then moving on. I mean, if you yeah. want to see the closeness of uh, uh, women being close and loving each other and just being a great family, the first one, I think, does that a little bit better because we do get so many moments of everybody being together, everybody hanging out and having a great time. You know, um, uh, I think that closeness was um, was more there also because I think Marmy was in it a little bit more. But I think just uh, on every other front, this one really does kind of take the cake for that. So. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Who do you think this movie was for? I stand by non-men. Like, it just similarly and even more so arguably than the first like it's it's so specifically that i mean at the end of the day it is for everybody i do think it is a great story but i do think that it is a story that is necessary and it is a story for non-men everything else is for men story by women for women or by non-men for non-men like iconic and so thought-provoking so intentional it's so good who did you think it was for a hundred percent. Like I wanted to, you know, I try to come up with like something funny. I'm not funny though. So <laughs> it never happens. But um, no, truly like this is, this is for not men, not yeah. shitty men. It's for women to make you feel seen and heard and like, you know, empowered and kind of cut through the bullshit of like, Lori, actually, like if you if somebody's like doing that Lori behavior with you, that's a big old red flag, girl. Just like yeah. back the fuck away. So that's who it's for, Eric. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you like it? I loved it. I honestly, it's like exceptionally good. I I struggle to find much that I disliked. Like the pacing was icon, like incredible. The characters are incredible. Like it just. It's really, really good. It's a great film. It's a great film. Like everything that everybody said about it previously were like, yeah, Little Woman's amazing. It's amazing. It's like a really fucking good movie. <laughs> this one in particular, I just, I can't get over how how impactful it was on me and how much I enjoyed it. Like mm-hmm. just what a good story. 
Yeah, I mean, I loved it. I think they were, like you said, so intentional, even with like, I mean, it's kind of like a footnote, but it's like in in the first one, especially, but it's like, oh, this takes place during the American Civil War, right? So we're talking about slavery and all of that. But there is that scene where they decide to address it, which the first one kind of skips over entirely, right? Where Laura Dern is like volunteering, like it looks like she's like helping people find people that came back from the war, whatever. She's she's in that space, right? And she's working next to a black woman. And I, I think it's like the soldiers are coming home. But anyway, she's like, well, you know, um, I was just so ashamed of my country. And the black woman looks at her and says, you should still be ashamed. You should yeah. still be ashamed. Like just because like now supposedly we're over this doesn't mean that you should not be ashamed of yeah. what you have, what has perpetuated. Right. And they do also call um, there's a moment where Amy is at school and they kind of call out that the marches also benefited from slave labor. So uh, and then Amy is just like in fucking Amy fashion. She was just like, well, I mean, we're we all suck. You know, we we all yeah. deserve to be punished or something like that. Right. But I like that it didn't excuse that and it kind of like forced you to confront that. But yeah, just so intentional with moments like that where, you know, it's it takes like literally like two minutes just to like tie all of that in. But you're addressing that, you know what I mean? Rather than just skipping it, skipping over it. So, yeah, I I mean, this movie is wonderful. It's so good. All of the performances are so good. Everybody is those characters. So good. Watch this. It is so delightful it is less funny than the first one but um but it is just a very fucking it's really good and it's gorgeous and it's It's so good it's so gorgeous but yeah that's it wow look at us oh my gosh thank you so much for listening (laughs) and please do not forget to rate and review us wherever you can and follow us on all of our beautiful social media please and thank you yeah we are starting to Give some little teasers as to, I mean, we, we're just, yeah, we're giving little notes to uh, mm-hmm. the upcoming episodes and um, yeah, so you can follow along too. So stay tuned on our social media. <laughs> we'll post a week before. So if you want to watch along with us, you're more than welcome to. And that way, most of our rambling will make perfect sense. You really saved <laughs> me there. I just did. I just bombed. <laughs> no, no, I think I'm just perfect. ready for bed. Look I'm at me. I'm also very <laughs> I know. I feel like my eyes are like actively closing. Oh my gosh! Like, I think they Ooh. are. Like you're, I, you're like not even half masked. You're just like. I know. Like <laughs> you're really either very shut. high or very tired. I've, no, I know, right? I've also been staring at like my computer screen all day, so I'm just like. Oh my gosh, me too. Oh my god, I'm just. <laughs> yeah, it's happening. Oh my gosh! Anyway, sleep is happening. Follow us on social media. We're also on Letterbox now. Uh, our artwork and music is by Eric Lefebvre. Editing is by Danny Barkley. And thank you again for listening. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Jess. And remember, stay cute. And stay critical. Bye-bye. Goodbye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Nostalgia Network. Visit thenostalgianetwork.com for more. Hey everybody, I'm Eric. I'm Shelby. I'm Jake. And we are the band Lousy Advice from the Lousy Advice Podcast. Come listen as we draft artists and genre-centric best-of lists. With the help of our closest friends. These lists are canon. And there's not a goddamn thing you can do about it. From Misfits... 
to share. Green Day to Gaga. Or Pup to Paramore. Listen to the Lousy Advice Podcast now or else. Stream us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Nostalgia Network, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget that we are the band Lousy Advice, and this is our podcast, the Lousy Advice Podcast. The Lousy Advice Podcast? The Lousy Advice Podcast. Podcast.